The first lesson may be found on page 904. It is taken from Malachi, chapter 2, verse 17, to chapter 3, verse 5. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, All who do evil are good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, Where is the God of justice? See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fullest soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 24, to be found on page 63. When John's messengers had gone... Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people who heard this, including the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God because they had been baptised with John's baptism. But by refusing to be baptised by him, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves. To what then will I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, 
and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Almighty, give us ears to hear what word you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is Michael Gordon, and for 30 years I was a GP in Sheffield in Gleadless, and three years ago I retired. So without blowing my own trumpet, I I have to say and admit to you, I am an experienced experienced GP and a very well-qualified doctor. But by contrast, I'm a very inexperienced preacher uh, without any formal theological qualifications. Um, Just to tell you a bit about myself, I I sensed a a calling to preach around 15 years ago. And of all places, I preached one sermon in Jerusalem, in the old city. And then for a few years, I had what I might describe as a spiritual malaise, rather similar to the people uh, in Malachi's time. However, God is gracious, and with encouragement, I have restarted preaching in the last few months. And I say this uh, simply by way of introduction. So having dialed down your expectations, uh, and I plan, God willing, to exceed them. Let's look at Malachi uh, together. Uh, <clears throat> so around 500 years, 500 uh, BC, that the Jewish people had returned from exile and they had restarted temple worship in Jerusalem. But there was a problem. They'd started to wander away from God. They'd been marrying foreigners and generally behaving in an inconsistent and unfaithful way towards God. In the earlier part of chapter 2, they're called again to be faithful and follow the Lord and remember the covenant relationship they enjoyed. As Roland put it last week, They're encouraged to put all their eggs in one basket and not be hedging their bets. You might say that the people were suffering from a spiritual disease. I'm going to call it the malaise of Malachi's time. In verse 17 of chapter 2 that we've had read to us, Malachi, the prophetic messenger, says to the people, you have wearied the Lord with your words. In other words, the Lord is a bit fed up with you, Lot. Uh, You've fallen into that old malaise again, and it's nothing new. I'm fed up with it. They were exhibiting symptoms that the people of Israel had struggled with generations before. If you look back at the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and wandering in the wilderness before they finally entered the promised land, some of these symptoms were very apparent then. I'm going to describe the first symptom 
forgive me if I sort of medicalize things a little, but I think that um, uh, the first symptom involves a condition of the eyes. It's what you might call enhanced peripheral vision. The people became very aware and were taken with the things that should have been absolutely peripheral. Uh, they knew they were forbidden, like taking on a foreign wife or cutting corners in the temple worship. And this led to unfaithfulness, the unfaithfulness described in chapter 2. They were half-hearted, trying to see what they could get away with. But at the same time, their central vision had deteriorated. They had developed a blurred vision of the Lord to the point where they were saying to each other, all who do evil are good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. The opposite of the truth. It's really a grotesque caricature of the loving God. So how does that happen? Well, then, as now, sometimes people no longer evaluate reality correctly when they choose to try to make sense of the world without reference to God, and in particular his word, which describes his character and reveals his ways. And as Malachi says this to the people, he effectively holds up a mirror to them and says, can you see this in yourself? Are you exhibiting this symptom of spiritual malaise? If you are, something needs to be done about it. You need to develop the habit of seeking God's word again regularly. So what about us? Um, Let us renew our efforts to put ourselves in places where we hear God's words to us. On the days when we have a voice in our head saying, you don't need to bother going to church again this week. You went last week. Or do you really need to read the Bible on your own at home? Let's ask ourselves in response to those questions in our head, what does faithfulness look like in practice? And let's act before this symptom of enhanced peripheral vision and blurred central vision really gets a grip. The next symptom to be on the lookout for involves talking behind the Lord's back rather than talking to the Lord. At the end of verse 17, Malachi's observation is that they're asking, where is the God of justice? And you might say, what's the harm in asking that question? Didn't Jesus on the cross cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's not what these people were doing. Instead, they were grumbling among themselves. Where is the God of justice? In other words, if there was a God of justice, he'd have turned up by now to sort things out. So what this amounted to was an expression of unbelief, of skepticism, an indication that faith had started to drain away from the community. And there are two observations I wanted to make about this particular symptom. And the first is to say that what we in community say to each other about God can have a positive or a negative effect on our faith and in the faith of those around us. We are to encourage each other. The challenge to each of us is to affirm faith, to share what God is doing in our lives, to make reference to him in our conversation 
and in our homes. Uh, Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is a particularly tricky and dangerous symptom, something to be on the lookout for because it is infectious. And the second observation about this symptom is that that God really objects to this kind of muttering behind his back. What he loves is for us to come to him directly with our feelings, no matter what they are, no matter how negative they might be. By all means, cry out to God regularly. Where are you with regard to this situation? Why are you not intervening? Could you intervene? God loves us to pray. And I suspect each of us knows in our hearts that we could pray more, more often, more consistently. So as a doctor, I'm I'm familiar with a lot of ailments. Uh, Some are very abrupt when they start. I remember my mother used to to, uh, say that uh, he's, he's taken a heart attack which is a strange way of putting it. But that, that's a, that's a, you know when, you, when you're starting with a heart attack, one, one minute you're fine and the next minute you're not. But other conditions are insidious when they start off. They sort of creep up on you. And the spiritual malaise that Malachi is talking about fits into that category. In verse 17 again he says, You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, How have we wearied him? They hadn't realized the state they'd got themselves into. They needed somebody else to point it out to them. Perhaps it's a bit like losing physical fitness. And I know during COVID lockdown times, life was restricted. Uh, and for some, uh, in subsequent months, that meant stepping on the scales, uh, only to be alarmed by the large number of kilograms being displayed and wondering whether it was still telling the truth or not. Or walking up a hill and finding you were a bit more short of breath at the top than you had been previously. But with insidious things, you need to be on your guard and changes in our attitudes and our behavior are often gradual and insidious. So having talked about the malaise of Malachi's time, um, in the beginning of chapter 3, which I'm not going to deal with in detail because there's too much there, but I'm just going to mention it. Having confronted the people with their spiritual malaise, he goes on to make the big prophetic announcement And he says on behalf of the Lord, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Really what he's saying is, I've got it all in hand. It's all lined up. The messenger is going to come and the Lord is going to come. But then he goes on to tell them about the process really uh, through which they must go before they reach the point uh, of being ready for judgment and justice. And as ever with biblical prophecies, there's no precise timing. If Malachi had, uh, had added, and by the way, this is all going to happen in about 500 years' time, uh, they might have thrown up their hands in horror. But what it does is it underlines the fact that God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. His timings are his own business. And we like to imagine that things should be sorted out ASAP, the sooner the better. And if we consider briefly our New Testament passage, read earlier from Luke 7, we find that Malachi's prophecy has indeed been fulfilled by the coming of John the Baptist, 
the messenger and the Lord Jesus himself. But in that generation, again, there is a problem, and Jesus has some harsh words for the people. He says in verse 32, Do you know, they're like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. That generation wanted God to dance to their tune, to sort things out the way they thought best and at the speed they dictated. And I dare say we are no different. We would prefer it, actually, if the truth be known, that God sometimes would dance to our tune. But the Lord is not like that. So often with God, it seems that progress towards the goal is very slow. Sometimes it's a matter of two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes the journey from A to B, or rarely the journey from A to B is a straight line. And as I look back at my life journey from Sermon 1 in Jerusalem some 15 years ago to today, it's been a convoluted, twisted journey. Yet God has worked it out. Just one final observation, that is that Malachi refers I haven't counted it myself, I'm told this, refers to the Lord Almighty 20 times in this little short uh, prophetic book. And by repetition, he underlines something that's critically important, and we must not forget it. Even when things around us would suggest otherwise, our God is the Lord Almighty, and at the right time, nothing will prevent him from doing what is right. Let me just pray again. Almighty God, thank you for fulfilled prophecy. Thank you that you don't give up on the generations who struggle with faithfulness or with us as we make our way untidily through life. But thank you that you forgive us through all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross and help us to live faithfully in the light of that wonderful truth. Amen.